everyone, and welcome to Flashes of DEI, a podcast where we explore topics and ideas related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, aka DEI. I am Dr. N.J. Akbar, he, him, and I serve as the Associate Vice President in the Division of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And I'm Katie. I use they, them, their pronouns, and I serve as a director here in DEI. And today, we're joined by two wonderful people from Kent State. Would you both mind introducing yourselves really quickly? Hey, not a problem. Uh, Joshua Ryder, he, him, his, Executive Director, Center for Adult and Veteran Services. Hi, NJ. Hi, Katie. Hey. Scott Crawford, Center for Adult and Veteran Services. We are so excited to have you both here with us today. Uh, we know, I mean, it's always busy in higher ed, but now it feels especially busy. So thank you for taking the time and being willing to join us and, and talk about adult and veteran services and you know, students, faculty, and staff here at Kent State University. We're really excited to jump in and learn more. And since we want to keep things quick, are you all ready to just kind of go for it? Let's do it. Awesome. All right. So... I actually recently reached out to your uh, center to ask a question and learn something really new. And I wanna spread this knowledge a little bit further and wider. Uh, and that question was specifically around language. Uh, and so during that uh, little conversation, I learned that the terminology at Kent State and kind of across higher education has been shifting around veteran, active military and other folks connected to the military. Could you talk a little bit more about what that shift is and uh, why it's important? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're talking really coming, some of the language came out of NASPA, and that really revolved around folks being called military connected. And what that means, that's our veterans, it's our service members and their dependents. Um, and, and we've really touched base on this a lot as a staff to kind of really adjust our perceptions when we talk about the military connected student. Student, mm -hmm. you know, in the name of our, in the name of our office, Center for Adult Veteran Services, yeah. right? But, you know, we're really looking at at building those programs around that military connected student. Scott, do you have anything more to add to that? Yeah, one of the things I try to do is uh, whenever I can, I hate to say I always use more words when fewer words will do, but I always try <laughs> to say veterans and service members. Uh, a lot of our students who are in the National Guard and reservists, their services on the weekends, uh, a couple weeks in the summer, they don't really consider themselves veterans. A lot of times veterans are people uh, who are out of the service. So if mm -hmm. we say, hey, there's a, an event for veterans, that might inadvertently exclude our members of the Ohio National Guard and reservists. So I would try to say veterans and service members whenever I can. One of the statistics when we look at military connected is how many students we have who are using their parents' benefits. And mm -hmm. right now at Kent State, that number is over a third. Oh, so wow. if we have a student who is using benefits with the you know, Department of Veterans Affairs, there's a one in three chance that student is not in the service. I did not know that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's an expanding population right now. So if you know, so if we certify 650 folks, you know, 200 and some change are, are going to be using their their parents' benefits for one reason or another. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we're all about inclusion here uh, on this podcast and at Kent State, and so having having the right language is really important to make sure we're capturing as many people as possible. Um, so thanks for thanks for sharing about that. Yeah, thank you. No problem. You know, our families, for those who are either actively serving in the National Guard Reserve, and even those family members who are, you know, connected to veterans who served uh, previously, they make many sacrifices that um, a lot of people may not even realize. Being away from your family for even, you know, a weekend or three weeks 
memories that you may miss out on because, you know, those dates are selected for you. They don't really work around your schedule. You have to work around it. And so that's the sacrifice that our families make. 100% spot on. Yep. Uh, NJ kind of started talking about this a little bit with some of the specific challenges that families face, right? So those military-connected students who are dependents, right, of active service members or veterans. Could you talk a little bit more about some of the challenges uh, that these populations face? So one of the things we notice are adult learners and veterans are just busy. In fact, I got that <laughs> folded on my uh, on my notes here to remind everybody that they're busy. There's a lot going on in their lives. Um, there could be uh, family commitments. They could be a parent. Generally, a lot of our veterans are going to be, you know, by definition, non-traditional students. They could be 25, 30, 40, 50 years old. Mm -hmm. um, you have a lot going on when you're older as opposed to when you're, you know, 20, 21, typically. I don't want to diminish anyone's experiences when they're younger, but typically you have more responsibilities when you're, you know, not in the, that traditional college student age anymore. Mm -hmm. One of the things we also want to mention is uh, that about 40% of students using the post-911 GI Bill have a service-connected disability rating with mm -hmm. VA. Uh, so those are things we want to remind people of. And, you know, Josh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but maybe you want to talk a little bit about, you know, visible versus invisible disabilities too. Oh yeah, absolutely. You talk about some things that, and some of these disabilities aren't even as a result of the service, right? Mm -hmm. And that's for our, for any adult, adult learner. Um, you know, perhaps they had an IEP in high school and then you've gone into the service and you've been there for eight years. Well, the, the need did not go away, mm -hmm. right? You just, you know, you were able to learn a different skill and do something else. Now you're in the classroom again and you have the same challenges in a classroom that you had in high school prior to the armed forces. You've learned some better time management, some better <laughs> study skills, some better ways to regulate yourself, but Nonetheless, you still have that need, right? Mm -hmm. That can happen for an adult learner. Maybe high school was not a fantastic experience for them. So they chose another career path and they find themselves at, for example, 40 years old and you're a parent. You're not a military connected person at all, mm -hmm. but nonetheless, those challenges are, are there for you. Yeah, you're busy. And you also have these accessibility concerns. And again, when we think about accessibility with the population, particularly with veterans, we always think about physical. Mm -hmm. Right. It always goes right to physical. You know, we think about folks that are missing, missing limbs that are, you know, double, single, double amputees that are, that are blind or deaf for these other kind of things that are physical. The bulk of disabilities with our armed forces veterans are invisible. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they are either, you know, perhaps learning disabilities or PTSD, TBI, those kind of things which affect people's lives in different ways. So mm -hmm. that's something that can be an invisible challenge that you might not see. They may be 25 years old and maybe put 100% put together. And wow, what, so what's what's going on? Well, mm -hmm. there is, there's something that they're working through there. Yeah, very important. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I actually just recently met with a student, a, a dog who uh, also is a veteran. One of the things that they shared with me that's been a challenge is that there's this assumption that, that they can make connections with other students pretty easily. And one of the challenges this student was having was that with most of the classes being online and even there being some in person, their external uh, responsibilities don't give them an opportunity to connect with uh, the other students in the same way. So they don't have 
the same amount of time or opportunities to join the group study sessions. And in many cases, they feel like an outcast because other students don't talk to them in, with the same ease. And so I think that's another challenge that I, I know you mentioned quite a bit, but that was one that I just recently heard. And, you know, I was a military connected student as well in college, being in the National Guard. And I didn't have all of those challenges because I also was tr more traditional age. But I do know that there were some people that I served with who also had some of those challenges uh, connecting with other students. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Things that we don't think about, right? Things that, you know, it's, it's the classroom is your interaction with the institution at that point in time. And even if you want more, it can be sometimes hard to do that. Yeah. That, and that's like a really good reminder too about how even when we're talking about a specific population, the challenges that the individuals may face within can be totally different based on identity and experience and all these different kinds of things. So even when we're talking broad challenges, yeah. each individual will have different ones based on kind of who they are and where they're at. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So there's another question I wanted to pose to you around myths and misconceptions about adult and veteran students. If you can talk about some common ones and maybe debunk some. Sure, sure. I, I, I'll start off and I'll kick it over to, to Scott. You know, it, one of them, you know, we talk about is that our adult learners are going to look like they're going to look older, right? They're, mm. going, to, they're going to appear and, and they can, but like there's a myth that, you know, they're going to appear much older than other students and you're going to be able to identify mm -hmm. the non-traditional student in the classroom. And that may not be the case. I mean, the, the person could be a, a parenting student and be 21 years old. Mm -hmm. And there is really no <laughs> real physical difference appearance between somebody who's 18 and 21. It's, it's very, very subtle. Or they could be a veteran at 22 years old, right? And, and you're not going to really know that difference or that they're somehow going to be still wearing their uniform mm -hmm. uh, in the classroom. And that's, again, unless they're active duty, they're not going to be doing that. Um, so this is, uh, these are things that are, that are myths you know, misconceptions or, and we encounter this, that they're going to be either more prepared than a student because they're older, mm. right? They're older and they have all these different skills. So they're going to be way, way more adapted to the classroom and they should excel and they should have more expected of them than another student. Not true. Or flip it, that they'll be deficient, right? They haven't been in school in 20 years. They're not mm. going to be able to compete. They're, this, they're, this isn't going to work out for them. N again, no, you know, individual. It's very individual. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I wanted to mention, uh, NJ, I might want to ask you to talk about this too, is uh, one of the things that I think people who are not around military-connected students, when they think veteran or service member, they're going to think, you know, camouflage and, and where were you in the war, that sort of thing, right? The majority of people in the service are not in those situations. And one of the things that I've learned about the military is that pretty much any job there is in the civilian sector exists in the military as well. Yeah. So maybe, NJ, maybe you want to talk about your experience in uh, Ohio National Guard and what you did there, and we'll, you know, see if that, that rings true. Uh, it definitely rings true. I actually joined wanting to be a photographer in hmm. the military. Um, one of the things that you may not know about me, when I was a kid, I, and this might sound funny, but I had a Polaroid and I would take pictures of everything. <laughs> <laughs> So think about right. Think about what you could do with a Polaroid compared to the cameras that you have today. Um, but no, so that was one of the things that I thought I wanted to be a photographer. And my dad was in Vietnam, and he asked, uh, "Who do you think takes the pictures of everyone on the battlefield?" 
you know, do you want to do that? And I was like, uh, no, but I just want to really work for the magazine, uh, the Army Times. So that was kind of what uh, I wanted to do. I ended up being a basically human resource admin. And so I did, you know, personnel records and uh, all of that um, for most of my time. And then I was the secretary to one to our captain um, and then also did EEO. Uh, so that's kind of hmm. my, my uh, experience. And all three of those things you could do in outside the military. You have human mm-hmm. resource specialists at Kent State and all these other companies. You have people who are executives, ass- assistant uh-huh. slash secretary. And then you also obviously have uh, equal opportunity and affirmative action here. And so all three of those jobs that I had in the military exists outside the military. Yep. I'm learning so much right now from this conversation. So I appreciate you all sharing and asking each other questions and everything. Thinking about uh, like some of what NJ just shared about, you know, personal experiences and some of the myths and challenges we've all talked about uh, and how, I mean, I didn't know a lot of what we've been talking about so far. So what would be some ways that divisions, departments, colleges, classrooms can make our spaces better and more inclusive um, for our adult and military connected students here at Kent State? I think that one of the things we need to know is that people need resources, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you're really good at juggling in high school. You haven't juggled for 10 years. You're not gonna be really good, good at juggling when you're 28, you gotta get back into it, right? Maybe you need a juggling instructor. Mm-hmm. So we need to talk about what services we have here and how we can get that information to our adult learners who may be on campus a fraction of the time as a traditional student. You know. They could be going in and out. They could be coming from a job. They could be attending remotely and not on campus very often. Um, we have a lot of services on campus that are available to help our students. And we really need to push our adult learners and veterans to those services to make sure that they're taking advantage of that because they need the help. And also those things are here for everybody, not just for our traditional students mm-hmm. on campus. Yeah, yeah, making those connections to resources, super important. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's also a step, it's resources, and also, you know, making making them both welcoming, number one. So mm-hmm. for an example, we talk a lot about parenting students. We've been talking a ton about parenting students recently. And like folks that have to maybe bring a kid into the classroom mm-hmm. once or twice or a couple times a semester, right? D- don't make it a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if it's not disruptive, it's not disruptive. And and you just it's just, this is where we're at. The population that is going to college is changing as a heads up to everybody. <laughs> it's changing. It's not going to look the same in five years. All right. We're not, mm-hmm. we didn't make as many 18 year olds uh, a couple of years ago. Okay. So we're looking at a new population that's rolling out and they have other things going on. So you need to be welcoming, you need to accommodate it and you need to think about it. Right. Um, also knowing policy, right. Mm-hmm. If a student needs to leave class because they are being, having a short term training or deployment for the guard will understand that there's a required accommodation there under a certain number of days and, and it can be uncomfortable and this can be difficult, but it is not, it is not if you will accommodate it. Mm-hmm. Is, it is a situation of getting to how, right? How you will accommodate those short-term absences in, you know, in the classroom, you know, with documentation, et cetera, but nonetheless. So I always talk about those. Let's, let's do the things that we can do easily, right? Know what the policies and services are that we already have available, um, and then just be welcoming to the, the students that do come into our classrooms, no matter what 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 they look like, whether they fit our our 
pre-described uh, mm -hmm. mold of those students or not, right? And Josh, it, it's interesting you mentioned the uh, deployments because one of the things that I think you and I, you and I say to each other every once in a while is, uh, this isn't a guideline, this is the law. <laughs> yeah. uh, Non-negotiable. Yeah, right, right. This isn't <laughs> yeah. a recommendation. This is, this is the law, right. so let's follow the law. One of the things that I remember being a student who was called up is that nervousness to actually have the conversation with your faculty member and not knowing how that was going to go, knowing that we uh, obviously were supposed to get it and everyone told us you're supposed to get it, but you don't want to upset or offend the uh, instructor. Uh, you want to do well in the course. And so I, I remember that being a thing. And my professors actually let me take my finals early because I, I was leaving like April 13th and classes didn't end to like the 20 somethings. I didn't have family uh, or any other responsibility. So it's easy for me to put everything else on the side and focus and get all that done. But for some of those who have families, they may have had to take, you know, an incomplete and finish some things after the course. But to think about the resources, you know, because many of our veteran and adult students are also first generation, um, we take for granted that they know certain things. Can we make some things that simple where anyone who doesn't have that experience can walk into a situation and understand what their next steps are? Yeah, that's important, especially for us to think about, uh, because as mentioned, we don't know just by looking who is an adult or military connected student. And so what are the things we can do to kind of standardize and make the access a lot easier um, for everybody, but especially our students who might not be tapped in in the same way. Our last question that we kind of want to end on and, and hear about is keeping in mind those students, right? The adult students, the military connected students. Um, we've talked a lot about resources, but are there any specific resources you'd want to shout out or any piece of advice you'd want to give to them if they're listening right now? Yeah, we our office works uh, pretty closely with student accessibility services, uh, especially with that, um, knowing that, you know, uh, disability percentage number that we have with a lot mm -hmm. of our students. Um, Care Center be a great resource too. Uh, some of our students right out of the military are, you know, don't have a lot of savings in place. Mm -hmm. um, say our office, of course, we can help uh, Center for Health Veteran Services point people to the right directions. We can also point people to VA services and some community resources as well. And then CAPS as well, um, you know, for any students who have some uh, uh, things they need to work through for the from the military, uh, that's a great resource as well. Honestly, the last one I want to mention, too, is the uh, um, tutoring services we have on campus as well. Yeah. I mean, we had a student in our office who's used that service for hundreds of hours of, of, yeah. of tutoring. And I think some of our adult learners could think, oh, well, you know, I'm not failing this course. Why do I need this? And, you know, the things we want to tell people is, well, it's not just to take students from failing to passing. It's to also help students go from good to great. So please take advantage mm -hmm. of that free resource. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great. Those are great. I, we also I always like to keep in mind for our, our parenting students, and certainly not all are female identifying, but over at the Women's Center, um, mm. the, the Women's Center is a great partner and a great resource for us. And although they don't have the you know the food pantry and some of those pieces over there anymore, those are with CARES, which we you know we've kind of discussed. Um, but they they still are able to have have some of those different conversations. And and really also um, when we look at caps. 
One of the reasons, you know, Scott touched on that, one of the reasons they might want to use that here um, as opposed to the VA or uh, some of those resources they may not, depending upon if they want to go back into the armed forces, they may not want to have a record of counseling, you know, with the VA necessarily, mm. right? So, you know, just something to think, just something for them to think about, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah. that on-campus service might be a little bit better and they might feel a little bit less of a stigma in using that than going and talking to the VA, which can be maybe a different experience for everybody, right? Yeah. And really quick, CAP stands for Counseling and Psychological Services, right? Yes, sorry. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, they're brand new, brand new, uh, brand new name. They've got a lot of new folks on on staff, so they're they're really ready to go over there. Yeah, pretty pretty awesome. And one of the things you made me think about earlier is uh, to not think of uh, veteran and adult students from the deficit lens. So yeah. one of the greatest things that we also have is that students can join the honors college after admissions now, um, and so that oh, might wow. be another great resource uh, to refer. Uh, our students too, because we may not always think of veteran or adult student as honor students, but they definitely can and will and should be. Great point. Great point. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. No. Thank you both, Josh and Scott, for uh, being a part of this episode. Yeah. Oh, thank you. This was awesome. And for those of you out there listening, thank you as well for tuning in. And if you're interested in learning more about DEI, feel free to check out our website at kit.edu slash diversity. And if you've got a topic you'd like for us to discuss, feel free to email us at diversity at kent.edu or connect with us directly on our social media uh, across all platforms at DEI Kent State. We'll see you all next month for a new episode. And Josh and Scott, uh, anything last you want to say before we take it out of here? Any social media you want to plug? <laughs> Scott can do that, but just thank you for having us on here. Um, and thank you for really including these student voices that maybe we don't think of necessarily as a piece of diversity, which most certainly are. Thank you. And at KSU Cavs is our uh, social media handle. So please check us out. Thanks. Yeah, look them up. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.